Hello everyone and welcome to episode 6 of Something to Live For, a podcast slash audiobook told chapter by chapter every other Thursday. Now, I'm well aware that today is a Friday, the day that this is being released, uh, and that's due to some technical difficulties that I had last night. Um, The good news is uh, that you're getting a bumper double episode today. Um, And let me tell you that it is a game changer. Um, Keep your feedback coming, please, uh, over on the Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash something to live for series. Uh, And please subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on any future episodes. Uh, And of course, feel free to leave a review too. Um, We're going to go straight into it this week. Um, uh, My boys... Uh, are at their respective childcare arrangements. My soulmate is at work, and my dog is currently lying in the sun on the decking in the garden. So, here we go. This story contains material that some listeners may find disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. My wife and son were killed 21 days ago now. I met Sarah and we were forced to hide on our way to my friend Daniel's house. We watched a group of dickhead army men mow down a horde of zombies. And finally, a positive. The Ford Galaxy. You said zombie last night. Sarah sat up from one of the reclined seats. Yeah, I I didn't mean to. I don't know what else to call them. It doesn't sound real. They're not real. Well, they, they weren't. This is so fucked. I've had the exact same conversation in my head for the last 21 days. Did you get much sleep? I asked. A little, maybe two hours? You snore. She flashed me a smile. I'd reclined from the front passenger seat and turned around to look at her. Maybe you can sleep outside if it's such a problem. When do you want to leave? I'll run upstairs to make sure everything's clear and we'll go soon. I get out of the car and head back inside. After we found the car, we decided to spend the rest of the night here and head off early in the morning. We slept in the locked car inside the locked garage as it felt much safer than in the house. Everything's so peaceful. It reminds me of when I used to do a paper round and it would, I'd be up and out of the house while the rest of the world was still asleep. The weird digital clock on the wall in the kitchen says 6.33am. Other than the mass of bodies further up the road, it looked like a quiet cul-de-sac on a sleepy Sunday morning. I could see the route out is clear. The uniformed men must be still sleeping. We're going to go back the way we came, away from the quarantine zone and make our way down the river where there's a track for cars. This will take us to about 20 minutes or so from Daniel's on the bikes, so we'll park the car and just get on the bike for the rest of the way. I'll drive. You bloody won't. I'm the man. I'll drive. This feels painfully familiar. Good. I don't know how to drive anyway, Sarah smirked. You're a really helpful little companion. What skills do you actually bring to the table? I grabbed the car keys from her. I'm good for morale. I can pick good road trip music and one day I'll definitely save your life. No road trip music. And if you ever think you need to save my life, 
Just run and save yourself. I was trying to sound brave and noble. Fuck that. If you die, I'm dead anyway. So I might as well try and save you. She's got a point. The roads are deafeningly quiet as we make our way back towards the river. I keep the revs from the car low to avoid drawing any unwanted attention from the contaminated zone. And until it's out of sight, I'm looking out my rearview mirror. We're clear. There's a small side road not far from my house that takes you under the railway bridge and onto the riverside. From there, the path should be clear, assuming no one else has had this same plan. What do you miss the most? Sarah broke the silence. What? I don't know if I'm ready for this. What do you miss, since all this happened? I think I'd kill you right now for a bacon sandwich. Charming. A sense of relief fills my body. I haven't spoken about them since it happened, and I just wouldn't know what to say. Could I even get the words out? Seriously. Mayo, lightly toasted bread, and beautiful crispy bacon. Mayo? If that's in the bacon sandwich, you can have it. Sounds horrific. Until I met Sarah... I didn't realise how much I'd missed inane small talk. You haven't lived. It's perfect. So what is it then? What do you miss most about your life? What happened to your wife? What do I say? Can I say it? They died 21 days ago. Shit. I said they. They? Who else died? Sarah asked. Shit. I pull the car over, reach for my bag, and light up a cigarette. Sarah's looking at me, waiting to hear my story. Milo, it's okay, you can tell me. She grabs my spare hand, not knowing that my heart has just shattered. She's not used my name before. My son's name. My eyes fill with tears. My son. He was only two. Sarah died trying to save him, but she couldn't. I couldn't. Sarah's eyes filled up with tears. I'm so sorry. What was his name? Milo. He was amazing. I never felt whole until I had them both. My little family. We were best friends. He would watch me do everything and copy me. He had a wicked sense of humour. We used to do this thing where I'd shout, I'm going to get you, boy, in a deep south type of accent. And wherever he was in the house, I'd, I'd hear his little footsteps run into a hiding place. And he'd stay there giggling until I found him. I can remember. I look up at Sarah with a half smile. And she has tears rolling down her cheek. I didn't think I could remember this stuff. When I think about him, I can only see how I couldn't save them. I thought I'd locked it away. I sat in silence for 19 days trying to remember anything I could, but it wasn't there. Thank you. I'm so sorry, Milo. She paused. Milo isn't your real name, is it? I wiped the tears from my eyes and I put the car back into gear. No, but it is now. Sarah nodded as we set off again. We passed the place where I picked her up and there's no sign of the horde that were in pursuit of her yesterday. Maybe they did follow us all that way. 
The clock in the car is saying 8.26am as we turn into the side road towards the railway tunnel. It says the date is May the 21st and the weather is exactly like a May morning should be. The sky is clear of clouds and the sun is low enough to warrant using the visor. The last thing we need is to crash and have to set off on the bikes from here. I used to walk the dog along here. I'm opening up again as we go through the tunnel and turn right onto the river track. He'd run ahead pissing on everything and only come running back when he saw a bigger dog. <laughs> he had no interest in socialising. What happened to him? How do you explain to someone that you'd thrown your dog out of the house to a horde of zombies to try and save your wife and son? I can't. I regretted doing it, and as soon as I'd done it, I knew that it wasn't going to make a blind bit of difference. He got caught up in the melee and he couldn't escape. I need to change the subject. Where did your parents go? They were visiting my nan in Canterbury for the weekend. They texted me and told me they were coming to, to stay in the house. I did that, and then the tech stopped working, and I was, I was just too scared to leave the house. I kept myself busy playing the piano and writing music, but I stopped when it dawned on me that no one would ever hear it. It seemed a bit pointless. I miss music. I can't remember the last song I heard. I'd listen to music while I was working, driving, cooking, hoovering, literally anything that didn't involve a conversation with someone. And now I don't have any. Are there any CDs in here? Sarah opened the glove box and out fell one fucking CD. It's like a lottery. What's it going to be? What is it? I'm genuinely excited at the prospect of hearing music again. I didn't keep CDs in my car anymore, otherwise I might have thought to bring some. I don't think you're going to like it. Sarah was hiding the cover from me. At this point, I'd listen to anything. What is it? She revealed the CD to me and my heart almost stopped. Of all the CDs in all the cars that I could have been in, it had to be the CD containing the first dance from my fucking wedding. Fuck it, I want to hear it. There's nothing wrong with Savage Garden, stick it in. For the first time in weeks, I was driving, listening to music, smoking a fag, and nothing was wrong in the world. It won't last long though, because we're living in a fucking zombie apocalypse. Two verses into Truly Madly Deeply. Two fucking verses. We didn't even get to hear an entire song before we had to make an emergency stop. Ahead of us, about 15 feet away, was a tent right in the middle of the track. Fuck, turn the music off. I pressed the brake. We're still too far away to get on the bikes and cycle to Daniel safely from here. Stay here. I'll go and have a look. I'm shitting it. What am I doing? I turn the engine off, pick up the machete from the passenger footwell and get out of the car. I'm going to leave my door open, so keep an eye out. Sarah lifted her hammer. No cunts getting in here without a fight, she winked. Where did she get that from? I'm about to possibly be mauled to death by a fucking zombie. And she's making jokes. Also, her language is fucking atrocious. I'm trying to keep my shit together as I sneak towards the tent. What's in there? Would I rather it be a zombie or, or people? Both can be absolute fuckers. I'm hoping it's full of guns and ammo with no people to be seen, dead or alive. Not that I'd have a clue what to do with a gun. It would be like a monkey and 
well, a gun. Useless. There's no sound coming from inside, so with the end of the machete, I slide the front flap open to reveal what's inside. Milo! Sarah screams. Without even thinking, I spin around, swinging the machete through the air, and before I know it, it's happened. I've made contact. Machete to skull. The left of the head has caved in and blood has spattered everywhere, just like it does on those forensic TV shows. What the fuck are you doing, mate? A man is shouting at me. Milo, behind you! Sarah's pointing back towards the tent. I swing around again, but this person isn't as close. Who the fuck are you? I'm now face to face with a man, and I don't know what I've just done. What did I just kill? You want to be careful with that, sunshine. You'll cut yourself. Thanks for killing him. He was being a right tight prick with the food. What? I looked behind me. It wasn't a zombie. A man. Maybe 35, with a caved-in skull with lying on the ground, wearing a football shirt, a pair of jeans, and some Doc Martin boots. Who's he? Have, have I just killed him? I can't help it, and I vomit next to his lifeless body. Nah, it's okay. He's a prick. You all right? I look at the, up at the man with tears in my eyes from the vomiting. He looks like a much taller Harry Hill with his bald head and thick glasses. He's got faded tattoos on both arms. I can't make out what they are, though. He doesn't have all of his teeth. What do you mean he's a prick? I've just killed your mate. Sarah's got out of the car, and she's rubbing my back as if I was one of her mates bent over a toilet after a night out. He's not my mate. Well, he's definitely not now, but he wasn't before either. He steps towards Sarah. All right, darling, you want to come in the tent? Stay warm? I stand straight up. Nah, she's fine, she is. Is that your tent? All right, soppy bollocks. I'm not trying to steal her. Just borrow her for a bit. It was his tent. Mine now, though. What are you doing here? He spots the car. Nice car. You want to lend it me? What is this guy on? We just want to get through, but the tent's right in the middle of the track. Yeah. I told him he should move it there so anyone getting through would have to stop. Why? Sarah asked as she gripped my hand tightly. She's trembling. I told him it was so that we could meet people, stick together and survive, you know? Really, I just wanted to take his shit and the shit of anyone coming through. We haven't got anything. We're just trying to get to a friend's house, so... Can you move the tent, please, and we'll leave you alone? I tried to sound polite, but it came out a lot more threatening. You'll leave me alone. Do me a favour. I'll tell you what. How about I take the car, all your shit, and this sexy bit of rough? He pointed at Sarah, prompting her to squeeze my hand even harder. Then I'll leave you alone with your new matey boy here. He stepped towards Sarah again, and without thinking, I stepped in front of her. Just let us go. I killed this guy and helped you out so you can have his tent and all his food. I ushered Sarah away and I thought about what I'd just said. I killed a man. I didn't know him. He didn't suffer and it was an accident. Is that why I don't feel bad? I feel relieved. You didn't do me a favour. It just means he's dead now. Not the next time he stiffed me for a quarter tin of beans. I could kill you and your little slag without breaking a sweat. I turned back towards him instinctively. Let's just get back to the car and go. We can drive over the tent. Sarah was trying to turn me, but I wouldn't. Get in the car. 
and lock the doors until I'm there. I didn't turn to look at her. My eyes are locked on his. No, Milo, you don't need to fight him. Let's get in the car and go. Sarah was louder now. Yeah, Milo, you faggot. Get in the fucking car. You don't want to die today. He pulled a knife from the clip on his belt. I took a step towards him and tightened my grip on the machete. Nothing else matters. Sarah, please, get in the car and lock the doors. Don't matter, darling. Get in the car. I'll be there in a minute. He winked at her. It won't take long to sort this little wanker out and you can taste the real man. I felt Sarah's hand leave mine and I heard the car doors close and lock. You're going to chop my head off with that big bad knife then, princess? We're about six feet from each other and my heart is pounding out of my chest. I've gone from listening to Savage Garden to killing a man and being in a knife fight in the space for about five minutes. This is the first fight I've had since I was 13 and I'm praying this isn't going to be my last. He fake lunges towards me and I flinch. Great start. Cor, you're a scared little faggot, aren't you? I swing the machete wildly as I lunge in his direction, but I don't get close. Am I really trying to kill this guy? What the fuck is happening? Easy, boy. You can hurt yourself. We circled around so I can see the car now. And the tent is behind me. My eyes meet Sarah's and she's crying hysterically. Just let us go. Oh, come on. Where's your balls? There's no way I'm letting a tidy piece of pussy like that get away. Do you know how rare that is these days? He turned towards the car to look at Sarah. This is my chance. I sprint towards him and he doesn't realise until I've tackled him to the ground. I drop the machete and I'm just raining punches down on his face and on his neck. I'm not even thinking about it. It's like I'm punching a pillow and every, every blow connecting harder than the last until he drops the knife and I stop and I look at him. I've never felt as powerful as I do in this moment. His face is bloodied and he's not moving. It feels like an hour passes before I can see that he's still breathing. So I get off him, I pick up the machete and I stand up. My T-shirt's covered in blood, my jeans covered in dirt from the track and I hear Sarah get out of the car. Is he dead? She's less hysterical now. I don't know why, because the man she just met yesterday and is travelling with has just killed a man and annihilated another with his bare hands. No, he's breathing. Let's just move the tent and go. I don't look at her and move towards the tent. There's a couple of tins of beans and potatoes in the tent, but I don't pick them up. I cut the ropes with a machete, gather up the tent, and leave it in a heap on the side of the track. If, it, if he wakes up, at least he can have his fucking beans. We both get in the car and I take a deep breath before starting the ignition again. Thank you, Milo. Sarah grabbed my left hand. You didn't have to do that, but I know why you did. He didn't leave you a choice. He would have killed you and before she was finished, I was already back out of the car because he was trying to get to his feet. Don't you have the balls to kill me, princess? He spat through his bloody teeth as he crouched on the floor. Even without thinking, I'd kicked him in the face with every ounce of strength I could muster and rolled his lifeless body into the river. I turned around and Sarah was right next to me. I didn't say anything. I just hugged her and I couldn't stop crying. Not because of what had just happened, but because I protected her like I couldn't protect Milo and Sarah. I don't want her thanks or her approval. I just want to keep her safe. I need to keep her safe.
Oh, there you go. Episode six. What did you all think of that then? Do you like mayo in your bacon sandwich? Let me know over at facebook.com slash something to live for series. Um, this week's homework uh, is to fire up your Apple Music, your Spotify or YouTube or whatever. You know the drill by now. And listen to anthems for a 17-year-old girl by a broken social scene. It's a really beautiful but quite unconventional sounding track with its repetitive vocals, but it really does build to a satisfying crescendo. I will be back here in two weeks' time with episode seven, uh, and I really hope to see you all here too. So I'll see you then.